Okay. So many of us right now, we probably came from eating dinner, or we probably are hungry and we need to have dinner because our body desires food in order to sustain itself. Yeah? We need food to survive. In the same sense of that desire to be filled, our soul is also in that same category. We've labeled that pursuit, our soul's pursuit, as the pursuit of happiness. Our culture is obsessed. We are so obsessed with feeding that desire with happiness. July 4th, 1776, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. And in there it says, it's our right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do you realize that in that declaration it says life, liberty, and the pursuit? It doesn't say the pursuit of life, the pursuit of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because life and liberty are things you can obtain. And the pursuit of happiness is something that you're always going to be in the pursuit of. I mean, it's obvious. 200 years later, we're here. We have faster cars, bigger homes, better gadgets, toys, but next year there's something better. And we're always going to have a yearning and a longing for something better, something more. We're not satisfied with our earthly desire, our fleshly needs, our fleshly pleasures, or the desire for happiness. We're just, we just aren't satisfied. And right now in history, this, is going to, this blew my mind when I was looking at these statistics. 2016, we have bent more laws, changed more rules and regulations, than ever before in history. We have the freedom right now to do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want with our life. We can become whoever we want. We can be with whoever we want. If you're not happy about yourself, your identity, your gender, change it and become whoever you want. But isn't it curious that right now, when we live in a day and age where we have the most freedom, but right now, suicide is higher than ever? Antidepressants is prescribed now more than ever. Since the day I was born, antidepressants had gone up 400%. 400% since the day I was born in 1990. Maybe, just maybe, humanity needs to be governed by something, by someone. Maybe someone needs to tell us the rules and the regulations. Because that freedom is only killing us in the end. That freedom to fill your desire with whatever you want, call it happiness, call it pleasures, that freedom to pursue those things, if it's apart from God, is only making us sadder, driving us to the ground, to suicide. Maybe we need to desire something greater than just happiness. Maybe we aren't designed to pursue our fleshly desires. Maybe we need to pursue something greater than ourselves. Because it is evident, it is so evident that that pursuit of humanity is just not working. It's just not working. And so tonight I want to talk about the importance of identity, which is my favorite thing to talk about. What comes to your mind when I say the Bible? When you look at this book? When you see this book lying around, what comes to your mind as soon as you see this book? For a lot of people, it's rules, regulations, obligations, blah, 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 blah. Whenever I see this book, or hear the word Bible, the first thing that comes to my mind is a love letter. This is a love letter written with the ink of blood. This story right here is a story about redemption and reconciliation. It's a letter of a God who is yearning to have his children back home. And that's written within these lines, written in blood. Because you look at the beginning 
Adam had it perfect. Absolutely perfect. In the garden with God, talking to him face to face, perfect. He had freedom. And because of that freedom, he had, he had the freedom to choose and do things, whatever he desired to do. And for some reason, Adam thought that he desired something more than God. For some reason, he wanted to grab on something else other than God because he thought that thing was going to fill him up. So he broke perfection in an instant with a bite of an apple. And the whole Old Testament is yearning for a savior. Humanity, creation, cannot do it on its own. The entire Old Testament is people screaming for someone to save them because they can't do it. Jesus comes, and that's when we get the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the moment, the moment is about to unleash, the moment of redemption, reconciliation, is about to unleash. Literally minutes before Jesus was going to be arrested and placed in custody to get ripped to shreds on that cross, literally minutes before that happened, Jesus was on his knees and he was praying. And he was praying for future believers. Do you get that? He was praying for me. He was praying for you. The day before that plan, the plan of scandalous grace to reconcile humanity back into its original design. Minutes before that plan was about to unleash, Jesus was praying for future believers. And this is his prayer. John 17. I love this. It just shows how personal our God is. How loving this Jesus is. That he would be praying for me. So this prayer is for future believers. John 17, 20 to 23. I pray for those who believe, who will believe in me. That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me, or have loved them even as you have loved me. This is a love, a love letter because it's bringing his children back home. I'm not saying that once you die, you go to heaven and you're home. I mean, he wants to bring you back into the family right now, here on earth, as we're still walking. He wants you back so bad that he gave up everything he loved so that he could have your love. Because you matter so much to him. And the rad thing about this is Jesus doesn't just show up. Because he could just show up and appear as a 33-year-old man. I mean, this guy, like, made the creation with his breath. I'm sure he could have just showed up on earth died on the cross, and that's it. But this is what blows my mind. He comes as a form of a human. And through his example, through the Gospels, we have a living example of what it looks like when a human is with unity with God. We have an example named Jesus who has grabbed on to the identity as a son of God, as a child of the Father, You read the Gospels, Jesus' favorite way to address God is what? Father. 
That's groundbreaking because that has never been done before. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus addresses God as the Father 60 times. In the book of John alone, he addresses God as the Father more than 100 times. Jesus puts a huge emphasis on viewing God as the Father. And everything is about the Father's will. Doing what my Father wants. If it's according to my Father, then let it be done. Jesus places a huge emphasis on living for the Father and the Father's desire for Him. When Jesus teaches us how to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's all about sonship, being back into the family of God, being one with God, being a son, being a daughter of God. It's all about that. But we make it so complicated. Us as Christians make this Christianity is so complicated and it is so, it is so embarrassing sometimes. It is so embarrassing. Because we made this love letter into a book of religious rules. And it is embarrassing. Don't try and love people. Don't try and be compassionate. Don't try and give. Don't try and cut out those things that are so bad in your life. Don't try to get um, comforted by the Holy Spirit. What's more important than those things that you're trying to do is knowing who you truly are. Knowing who you truly are is way more important than acting like a Christian. Because out of that identity, out of knowing who you truly are in the eyes of the Father, out of that identity of knowing who you are will overflow characteristics of Christ. You don't have to try and love people. It will come naturally. You don't have to try and be compassionate to people overseas who are dying. It will come naturally. You don't have to try and cut out those those habits that are terrible and, and killing you because it will be gone naturally. You don't have to go to church and try and be comforted. Knowing who you truly are in the sight, in the eyes of God, you will be comforted naturally by knowing who you truly are in the Father's eyes. We have to go back to the original purpose for our design. We have to go back to the original purpose why this book was written. We have to go back to the reason why Jesus came to earth. He came so that we can be one with God. We can be a child of God. And our soul will never stop yearning until that is finally accomplished. We will run after things, build bigger homes, faster cars, new gadgets, We'll be chasing complete emptiness. We think we need those things, but really we need to know who we truly are in the eyes of God. We need to go back to our true identity. 1 John 3.1 says this, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, children of God. We are children of God. The word Christian back then, the very first time they used the word Christian, they were, they were using it because that meant like little Christ, the imitation of Christ, people who were copying him, little ones like him, minimis or even. And so if you really want to be called a Christian, I think it's really important to grab onto that identity first before acting like a Christian. And I think we got it backwards. Some places we've got it really wrong. We've got to go back to the original design and the original purpose, which is to be one with God. Matthew 10, 39 
says this. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. That verse in NIV, I think it's, um, if you try and find yourself, you'll lose it. But if you lose yourself for me, for me, you'll find it. And when I look at that verse, the first thing that comes to my mind is humans' desire to go feed themselves with, that, with those desires, pursue happiness. They're trying to find themselves. They're trying to find their identity in whatever they can find, become whoever they want, find all the earthly pleasures possible, be happy. And like I said, today more than ever, suicide is higher now than ever. Antidepressants is higher now more than ever. And today, this day in history, more laws bent, more rules changed, so that we can do those things. We can pursue whatever we want. And like I said, maybe we're meant to be governed by something. Maybe we're meant to be governed by someone who knows why we are here, who knows what our purpose really is. Another thing when I think about this verse, if you try and find your life with earthly desires or earthly pleasures, you end up losing it. You can chase and chase and chase your entire life, but, but at the end of your route, the only thing you're ever going to fill is an empty casket. That's all you're going to fill. If you're only chasing desires of this world, pleasures, happiness, you'll never get any of those things. And the only thing you fill is a casket. So maybe we're just meant to be ruled by something, to keep us aligned in that identity, to be reminded who we truly are in the eyes of God. Sin and temptation is this. It is a cheap attempt to fill your soul's burning desire with artificial substitutes that are poison in disguise of happiness. When you do those things that are contradictory to this book, contradictory to your true identity, you're only ending up poisoning yourself even more. When you're a Christian and you have this identity, and you're a child of God, your son, your daughter, you know who your father, your father is, you still have a desire. You still have a desire to wake up in the morning, to do something with your life, to read books, to go out and play, to accomplish goals, to accomplish things. And that's natural, and that's fine. But when you become a child of God, that pursuit shifts. Your desire is no more, okay, me, me, me. It's more the love of my father. I'd rather do that. Just like Jesus and his identity as a son of God. He was only concerned about the father's will. And he just wanted that just to be accomplished. When you are a true son and daughter of God and really know who you are, your desire shifts. And now you're more concerned on bringing the kingdom to earth you're more concerned on the Father's will be done than your desire to be happy. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. Stop there. Masterpiece. I love that word. Because if you look at like the famous Da Vinci, Picasso, um, you look at Mozart, Beethoven, they all have a few masterpieces. Or some may have only one masterpiece. The Mona Lisa, that's a masterpiece. When God formed you, he formed you for one design and one thing only, to be his. And when you're finally his, you become his masterpiece. You become something so special to him that just like the Mona Lisa behind Pexiglas, 
bulletproof plexiglass, he's going to hold you behind that. And he's going to say to all his legions of angels and to all like the demonic presence and to all everything, this is my masterpiece. But he doesn't end there. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he has planned for us to do long ago. See, now the pursuit is to do those things, to do good things. You look at Jesus' life, all he did was love people, heal people, walk all over town, hanging out with people. All he did was love and compassion and healing and praying and spending time, spending time with God alone. And he's saying, if we believe in him, that's going to be our life. We can accomplish, we can accomplish those things. In fact, you're going to see even greater things. I don't long. I don't long for earthly desires anymore. I don't long for the pursuit of happiness in whatever I can find. I don't, I don't long for earthly pleasures anymore. I long for the greater things, for those greater things. Because those things are way better. I'm really excited for that. Is that how good you are? <laughs>